Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, back from Brazil, where I was working on a project that you probably know by now is Stab in the Dark. Buck and I are going to get into that more in our next episode. We're going to reveal who that surfer was, so stay tuned for that on US Friday, Australian Saturday. But for now, Stacy G and I, we promised you a while ago that we were going to break down the 2023 rookie class and make some predictions for the 2023 season. So that's happening right now. We're going to go through the five men and two women that are joining the championship tour this year. And without further ado, Stacy. Welcome. Bom Neutsch, Mikey C. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to reality. I'm in Hawaii. Did you know? Hardly uh, reality. Um, I didn't know that, and it sort of, you know, makes me happy. I'm happy for you. Someone's got to do it, Mikey. Yeah, I was really happy too until I broke my only bigger board today. I got this like incredible fresh batch of Tacoros. I was ready to do my three-board quiver, 6'4", 5'10", 5'7". Um, I thought I was going to go straight into sort of my little, my little corner there at off the wall, but the swell's been kind of weird over there. There's like a rip going through the whole thing. Pipe's been weird too. So I've just been surfing sunset and I had a good session today with Garrett at stab and just having a good time. Board was feeling great. And my last wave, I just pulled through the back of it and I popped up the other side and, uh, my nose was missing. So now I'm big boardless. And if I don't get a tube this year, I have a great excuse. Oh my God, that is, um, that's sad. Um, you always got to double up on the big boards, Mikey. You know that. You are a big wave, Dave. And uh, now you're going to have to resort to uh, Craigslist. But it's the like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because every time that I bring a bunch of boards, I never break any. And then this year, the first time that I've like not had any sort of backups, of course, I break it second session in. So that's life, isn't it? Well, you're not going to be doing any more growing, so I would say <laughs> that you should always double up, and um, you know, then you'll have that board for next year. So I, I think it's a lose lose if you don't order double. So yeah, I'll leave that one with you. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, take Bucks route, I think, and maybe go the Craigslist fake Facebook Marketplace uh, sort of route. But we'll we'll see what that yields for me. <laughs> well, you stand by with uh, bated breath, but and we all wish you all the best as well. It was a great segment last year. You got real pitted, and I just need you to know though, you don't carry that over into this season. So just make sure the, you know, the froth is in check. Fuck. You just gotta you know, start fresh. All right, I'll do my best. But for now. You know what else is starting fresh? The WSL CT season. We're starting in Pipeline in just a couple weeks. And as always, we're going to do a pre-comp report, you know, make some betting picks with BetOnline AG, all that good stuff. But first and foremost, we told the listeners a couple months ago that we were going to do an all-rookie bash here. We're going to talk about the five men and two women that are coming onto the tour, fresh faces. And we're going to talk about how we think they'll do, whether or not they'll make the cut, and everything in between. So I'm just going to list them off so that everybody's reminded. On the men's side, and this is in order of their sort of uh, ranking, so this means that the first person that I list is going to have the best seed going into the season. So we have Rio Waida from Indonesia, Maxime Husano from France, Ramsey Bukayam from Morocco, Ian Gentile from Hawaii, and Liam O'Brien, again, from Australia. And on the women's side, we have Katie Simmers, USA, Sophie McCulloch, Australia. Exciting list. couple of firsts in there. First Indonesian on the world tour and first Moroccan. How exciting. Very exciting. Now, these are pretty good rookie numbers um, just based off past years. Last year, we had the biggest rookie class ever. Last year, we had... I think nine guys and five girls, which was pretty insane. 
Um, on the guy's side, the rookies actually did really well. Six of them made the cut, if you can believe it. And we did a little predictions piece last year in this podcast. Of those 14 total rookies, I think I guessed seven of them right, so 50%, not very good. And I don't remember what you got, but do, do you have any idea? I think it was in the same vein. It was like around that 50% mark. I got a hose down at G-Land. That's what I got. <laughs> uh, bailed up by um, Nat Young, Jake Marshall, um, you know, uh, who else? And proper hose down. And I had to chin it, which I'm not very good at doing that. Um, but, you know, uh, it was, um, you know, a moment in my, you know, fledging surf journalist career that um i'll remember forever well it's just part of it though right like that's our job we get to i mean look at any sports caster like these people come out and they make bold predictions sometimes they're right and they look like geniuses sometimes they're wrong and they get egg on their face the athletes can either play along with it get mad at it but that it's all part of the fun in my opinion <laughs> nat young was super funny he was like obviously they're supporting jake in in the in the argument but he also just ran it out with you listen to that shit <laughs> <laughs> So good. And from what I understand, you might find yourself in a similar position this year if, in fact, you do get a little bit of a uh, commentator call up in the Australian leg. As we know, the cut is going to happen after event five at Margaret River. And it would be pretty ironic if you were the one doing the um, tearful missed cut interviews come Margaret. Yeah, look, um, I've thrown my hat in the ring there and uh, nothing locked in yet, but um, I would love the opportunity, obviously. And, you know, any chance you get to go to WA is uh, you take that with both hands. But, um, oh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, I think it'd be a difficult job to do, but... I'd be excited for sure to, to lock that in. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting too because maybe that's like the commentator cut as well. So you never know. You might get clipped as well. <laughs> hey, everyone's clippable, Mikey. Everyone's clippable. Yeah, but not every commentator can go paddle out at the box after and get absolutely coned. So at least you got that on them. Yeah, what do you reckon? Do I just leave that one in the tank or do I try again? Got to try again, eh? You got to try again. Yeah, if I have to go surf off the wall again, you got to go surf the box again. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that actually. I'll happily take that. That's I'm fine with that. Off the wall frightens me. <laughs> All right. So as I said, last year, there were nine male rookies, six made the cut. There were also five female rookies and only one made the cut. That was Gabrielle O'Brien. We definitely missed some of the calls on that side for sure. I know that I had Betty Lou getting through um, and maybe a couple others as well. But Before we get into that, let's talk about the first half of the season, the types of waves that these rookies are going to be encountering. The schedule hasn't changed at all on the front half of the year from 2022, so we've got Pipe, Sunset, Portugal, Bells, then Margies. These are all, you could say, pretty heavy water waves in different ways. Pipe is obviously a shallow reef, super tuby, etc. Super tuby, Portugal. Um, Sunset is basically the opposite, super deep water. Same swells hitting, but completely different wave, completely different style of surfing, and maybe even a type of surfer that would do well out there. Portugal can be just about anything. Um, it can be three foot and clean and the funnest little beach break you've ever surfed. It can be eight foot and death closeouts. Um, bells is bells. Again, I guess bells can be a million different things as well. It can be 50-year storm or it can be two-foot winky. And Margie's is usually pretty much exactly the same thing that it always is, which is John John Florence's um, little playpen. So it's a really interesting run of waves to come into tour. Like, 
I mean, especially if you're young, you know, like a Katie Simmers or a Rio Wida, I feel like these are not necessarily the types of waves that you've grown up surfing a lot, especially in competition. For sure. I'd almost say that, you know, and love to hear your thoughts on this, that profile-wise, Pipeline and Super Tubos are similar uh, in what they offer, scoring potential-wise. Uh, and then Sunset and Bells, you know, obviously they're not identical and other waves are around the world are, but sort of what you're looking for and who does well in these locations, there's not a lot of variety there in the start of the year, I don't feel. Like, you've got to be really good at reading the ocean to, to find the corners at Pipeline. I'd say the same thing at Super Chubos, maybe even more. There's a lot more closeouts there. And then Sunset and Bells, I'd say Bells on a big day, even with the boils in the reef, it sort of looks like Sunset. You're probably going to be getting more barreled at Sunset, potentially, but it's that same open face, deep water uh, style of surfing, which is, um, I think, probably the the style of wave that challenges the most amount of people on tour, I'd say. Absolutely. And to that point, I mean, as much as you think you can know these waves and who will do well out them, of course it's surfing. There's so many different variables involved. And last year we saw John Florence lose to Jake Marshall at good sunset. You know what I mean? Which I, for whatever reason, bet online wasn't working for that event. So I wasn't able to bet, but I literally would have bet my fucking house on that heat and I would have lost everything. So I mean, it's surfing. Shit happens. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it, it's what the rookies will have to do. They, they're going to have to come out swinging. There's no warming up. Um, there's no sort of, oh, you know, we mentioned it last year. Like, I feel like rookies kind of catch fire in that Europe leg where it's fun and lots of opportunities and kind of different waves, different ways to get scores too. But there, there's just not that opportunity. You're going straight into, I would call them like, tier a style waves of like you've got to be classy you can't be messing around you've got to be on the best waves at these locations and you've got to surf them the best it's it's a really hard start of the year i I would think to be a rookie okay so how do you want to kick this off talking about these individual surfers i guess we'll just go one by one like let's talk about rio wider what are his strengths what are his weaknesses well, definitely his strengths are going to be he's going to be fine in, in shallow, curvy waves. Um, I would say, you know, he probably hasn't spent a lot of time at Backdoor Pipeline, but having the house there with Quicksilver right at the front, he's already made good use of that already this winter. So, you know, uh, again, sunset and bells, waves like that, your equipment and your style of surfing need to be spot on, and I'd say they're probably going to be his weaknesses. Okay. How about Maxime? Maxime's a real wild card. He's a scrapper. Um, I don't think he's the most talented of the the lot that have qualified, but he's he's probably up there with the most heat savvy. Certainly surfed, probably other than Ramsey, the most amount of heat. Um, really hard because I, I feel like we don't have a lot of different waves to talk about. Like I said, I feel like I'm talking about two different venues if you take out Margaret River. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and like Maxime, he's spending time in Portugal right now. Um, you, you, you know, I'm going to be overtly positive about a lot of these guys. So maybe you can be the bad cop. But having spent time and, and growing up, um, you're spending a lot of time in mainland France. He's obviously from the Reunion Island, um, but he, you know, a lot of time in Hossegor and, and surfing La Gravière through his junior career, and even had wild cards there into the CT. Uh, I'd imagine him to be pretty fine at, at you know uh, a decent sized pipeline and and Portugal. Uh, again though, bells and sunset. It's they're, they're masterful waves. So yeah. But doesn't he have that sort of meat and potato style surfing that would do well out there? And granted, you know, take all this with a grain of salt because as you know, Maxime and I are divinely bonded this season. He's my uh, Jacko Baker of 2023. But 
to what you're saying, I mean, yeah, t- in tubes, he's not going to have a problem. If you can surf big Hossiger, you can surf pipeline. I'd say pipeline's probably a, an easier wave compared to that. And then to me, he's, you know, he's a powerful surfer. And if he picks the right waves at sunset and bells, he's not really going to have that much of a problem unless he comes up against a John or somebody that's just, you know, that three tiers above him ability-wise. Yeah, and that he is. He will come up against John. He will come up against Ethan. He'll come up against Philippe Toledo. Uh, and these guys, you know, meat and potato surfing is, I don't know where that fits in on this tour. Like to surf bells well, it's an extremely dynamic wave if you can be that good at surfing. And if you're not, it's extremely hard to make, you know, look good. So this is what I'm saying. Like you've got to be on the best waves in these spots and you've got to be doing the best surfing. And, um, these rookies, you know, their seeds where they started, the quite low like Rio's the highest seed and he's seed 27 so we're already down to uh, Maxime uh, he's he's behind him at 28 like yeah you know once you get through that first elimination round and there's there's 32 guys left in the draw they're going to be seed 31 and 32 most likely so well let's also remember though that this year they're reinstating the first round win rule which means that if you win your first round heat in round three you are going to be sort of toward the top of your bracket we need to go back and figure out exactly what those brackets are like what those ranges are because i don't know them off the top of my head but they do have that in their favor like this past year and i think the year before when they took that rule away it was pretty fucked because you could go out and beat john john or carissa in your first heat and it just doesn't matter you get him again in round three no matter what but that's not going to be the case this year yeah but i also think that seeding bracket takes away from actually being a, a top seed like you've earned the right to lose a fucking heat and if you feel that if you're like seed number five you have the risk of going all the way down to 12 in the prior years which I don't believe that to be fair either. So, hmm. I think it is. I think you have to reward people for winning that first round. I think that otherwise that round has almost no value because all you need to do is place top two to make it into round three the way that it stands right now. And then even if you, like we've talked about this too, even if you do end up in round two, all you again have to do is be in the top two of that. So there needs to be some importance to winning that first round heat. And even if it's not the perfect solution, I think it's better than none at all. Big call here, but I think the perfect solution is the 2009 format where it's elimination from the get-go, man-on-man heats overlapping, and the lower seeds are in round one, the higher seeds are in round two, and it is just death by round one heat. Wow. Huge claim. Okay, so that's Maxime. What about Ramsey Bukayam? This is where I'd say Ramsey's one for me. He, he's handy in the tube for sure. Great backside barrel rider. But I, I see Ramsey really shining at Sunset Beach and Bells, which I think sort of gives me a lot of confidence for him actually making the cut because I think that's where you'll need to be strongest. I feel like Portugal, you could luck into a wave and get through and get a ninth and whatever. And same with sort of pipeline to a degree. Um, it's the waves that are the harder ones to surf and get your heads around. Like, you know, you talk about equipment. Ramsey's been on JS since day dot, and I'm not just trying to be a Gold Coast fanboy here, but like those kind of shapers that have had all that world tour experience, they have the curves, they have the fin templates, they have, they know, they just, they have like, so you've already got a huge leg up there with, with Ramsey and, and what equipment he's riding. So I, I, I really like Ramsey's chances. And do you think, you know, Ramsey and Maxine, both of whom spent more than 10 years in the QS or the, the CS as it currently is chasing this thing, 
this thing that they've wanted their entire lives to be on the tour, to be in the big leagues, to be competing against the world's best, in the world's best waves, quote unquote. Do you think they come in significantly hungrier than someone like Rio, who kind of just recently came to fame? He became a lot of people's, you know, one of one of their favorite surfers because he was so talented and explosive. But maybe this hasn't been, you know, it certainly hasn't been something that he's been doing for as long as them. So maybe he doesn't have that same level of hunger. What do you think? Like, do they come in just a lot hotter? Yeah, they do. But it means they've got more to lose, you know. So I feel like they're going to have to manage that expectation. They've been doing it for 10 years and they don't want to blow it, is the way that I would be, you know, imagining that they're thinking. Of course, you, it's, a, it's a dangerous game to jump inside an athlete's head. But for me, Rio can kind of come in like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm in the prime of my career, and I'm going to go and give it a red-hot crack. Whereas the, the guys that have been doing it and chasing it for so long that they're not going to want to let that opportunity slip. And that's where they're going to have to manage that and, you know, still still surf on the front foot and, and attack rather than sort of surf defensively, which, you know, is so easy to do. It's it's easy to kind of sit back and, and, and kind of think that, you know, a mediocre performance is going to be enough because it's just not on the world tour. Are you calling me a safety surfer? You? Yeah. Mm, why? Did you do the QE for 10 years? No, no, no. You said something along the lines of you know how easy it is to sit back and <laughs> surf conservatively <laughs> i meant to say you know how easy it is to sit back on the couch and absolutely rip <laughs> <laughs> all right so to me the real wild card on the men's side is ian gentile he sort of rides the line between uh you know an older journeyman and like a flash in the pan superstar and i just don't know what to think like i don't even know how much he wants to necessarily be there obviously he made it there so he's like stoked but to I, I don't know how much he's like really dedicated like thought and and a lot of his you know past few years to getting there you would maybe know a bit better than me because you've probably seen him at a lot of these events but to me it's just like oh wow this guy just like kind of made it out of nowhere i think josh kerr said it the best like no one does the qe for fun it, you, you, you're doing it because you're you're committed you're in pretty sure paul fisher did it for fun nah he fish is competitive as fuck like nah he he makes a lot of things fun but he's also yeah i i, I never you know people again in and someone like ethan ewing they don't have huge like outwardly facing characters but inside they, they want it you know michael february is the same like they they want it they're not, they're not signing up they're not paying all this coin to be like oh well fancy that i made it like no he, he's he's all in for sure and and you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think you've got to beware of the quiet ones. Isn't that the saying? That brings us to another quiet one, but clever, Liam O'Brien. Liam is the whole package for me. Um, and he said it himself. The, the one thing he probably lacks is, is that little bit of sort of just body mass. He's not a huge guy, but technically... He's got it all, um, and he's not scared to, to swing and go on a big pipeline backdoor wave. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Liam, and I'm really cheering him on. Like, we don't, the Gold Coast is a massive surf community, and although he's from, like, you know, a rival end of town to where I'm from, it, it's still, we're still so proud to see a Gold Coaster on the tour. And, um, yeah, I, I really hope he just gets a chance to show his surfing at the top level because like we see him all around here all the time um he spends a lot of time at south stradbroke island when the wind is on shore um sorry for giving up your secret spot there liam when the when the wind shit but 
that's going to bode so well for like Junkie Pipeline or Junkie um, Panish if he has to surf heats like that. You watch out for him at, at Junkie Panish. He'll, he'll be gnarly. But do you think he's going to struggle at a place like Sunset or Bells? Is that kind of what you're getting to with the body mass thing? I, I am, but where you would say like a Maxime or, or whatever might be a bit more powerful, like uh, Liam's more dynamic. And I think that what we've seen with these waves as the years have come on is that you, you, you have to be dynamic out there. The wave shape might be flatter, but like the surfing that like Ethan Ewing and Jack Robbo and all these guys are doing, they're like it's it's dynamic big wave surfing or face surfing, you know. So yeah, and I think I think Liam has the lines and he has the angle of approach, like tight in the pocket and pushing hard. But it is one thing there where he, I, I do think he does have a weight disadvantage. But technically, he's he's there. I saw today I was surfing Sunset as I said, and I saw two people out there who are maybe somewhat analogous to some of the surfers we're talking about right now. So I saw uh, Jake Marshall, who I think you could say with his, you know, body size and his angular surfing is similar to Liam. And then Finn McGill was out there, who I guess isn't really a great comparison to anybody in this rookie class, but he is a bigger surfer. And the difference between them at, you know, just kind of normal size sunset, it was probably like six-foot sunset or whatever, not very big, just sort of playful. But the difference was night and day. And again, we're talking about, like, Jake Marshall beat John John out there last year, so he's obviously no slouch. But watching the control that Finn had and the way he, like, moved the water around and the way that he was setting the pace of the wave and not the other way around, like, it was really, really just a stark contrast and, and pretty wild to see. And obviously, they're both amazing surfers, but it's just one person was much better suited to that wave, and it was clear. Yeah, totally, and that's why it's tricky to make calls, and I, I do feel for the rookies on tour because they've got two of those waves on tour. <laughs> Bells is the other one. And that's the thing. with Phil, Finn is, is angular as well, and he's heavy. So it's just, you know, yeah, it's tricky. Okay, and I, I feel like actually we kind of uh, glossed over Ian a little bit there in terms of just his ability in certain conditions. He's Hawaiian. I know he spent some time at Pipe. I've seen him in some of the Pipe events over the years. Um, and I also think that he's he's like, a to me, a really talented version of a meat and potato surfer on a wave like Sunset or Bells. Is that kind of how you see it as well? Yeah, definitely. I think he's, he's definitely sharp. Um, and, and the thing with Ian, he's really tall. So he's going to have that that kind of that swing power, you could say. So it's it's hard at those waves. He's kind of like a bead, right? Like the way that he surfs a bit. Yeah, and like it's I know probably bead from the stab audience copped a bit of heat, but like one thing that these guys have, these taller, bigger guys, is like actually he probably just copped heat from Buck actually. Um, but it the timing and where they put their turns like is. It's dynamic. It's gnarly, and it's, these waves are hard to look good from fifteen hundred yards away, which is where the judges sit. So you've got to be, you've got to have that kind of whole top to bottom approach. And when you're a bit taller, you can kind of, you can, it sort of comes naturally. You would probably know. <laughs> um, all right, so that is a rough overview of the front half of the year. We're not going to bother with the whole season because we don't really know how many of the rookies are going to make the back half of the season, but. We can make our own predictions about that. So do you want me to go first or how do you want to go about this? I know you need to protect your scalp a little bit here. I'm going to sit way back on this one. I, um, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you, um, go to town, uh, and, uh, yeah, maybe I'll make some Stacy. The listeners are going to hate you for this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to protect my scalp somewhat, but I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Yeah. I'm definitely going to let you take the lead though, Mikey. All right. Well, 
Rio Wida. I'm saying no cut for Rio. That makes no sense. That was a double negative. No cut. Okay. He's not going to make the cut. Sorry. <laughs> okay. And it's because Buck didn't take him to the Super Tubes last year. <laughs> yes, that's exactly why. Um, I just, I think he's an amazing surfer. I think his time will come where he is a really complete surfer for the tour that we have today. On a on a different CT, on a different schedule, to me, he could be on tour for as long as he wanted, but not in these first five events. I've never seen anything of him at Pipe that impressed me. I've never really seen him at Sunset before. Buck didn't bring him to Super Tubos. I, I just, I don't know. To me, these waves don't suit him. Of course, he'll probably prove me wrong and do amazing at all of them, but I'm saying no, sir, to Rio Wida. Copy that. Um... I know he's Quicksilver too. This is like a, a double for you. Yeah, I'm about to lose two jobs in one here. I think it's sort of easier to look at it this way on the women's tour. It's obviously a lot smaller, but like when you look at the tour that we have and, and the, the rookies that have come on, the, the real question you've got to ask yourself is like, who are they knocking off? So just a reminder for the listeners, we start the season with 34 full-time men on the CT. Each event has 36 because there are two wild cards, but there are 34 full-timers. That 34 is then cut down to 22 after the cut. So that means we're losing 12 surfers in the cut, you know, from the rookie class, from the rest of the Challenger series, people who moved up, and from the people who qualified from last year. So we got to get rid of 12. You got to get in the top 22 to make the cut, which is no easy feat. Definitely cutthroat. Uh, However, one thing that seemed to be a lot more daunting than what it actually was were the results that the surfers on the men's tour actually needed like it was two ninths which if you told everyone that at the start of the season every single surfer would have said oh (laughs) shit that in i'm easily gonna get two ninths yeah no that's totally right like obviously buck and i had our whole baker train thing we were having so much fun with jackson baker but if you look at his season he actually never got a result better than a ninth the entire year and he only got four of them out of you know 10 events so to your point he only had two in the uh before the cut so i don't know if that will necessarily be the same this year sometimes the numbers work out a little bit differently just depending on how it's all spaced out but if you set that as sort of your minimum benchmark again i think everybody on this tour rookie non-rookie veteran anybody would say yeah i can get two ninths in five events no problem and I think the only real way that that would change is if, like, the top 10 lost out first, second round in the first two comps. Like, really, the numbers probably won't change. It will most likely be two ninths again because it's a pretty large pool of people. Yeah, that's true. So if that's the benchmark, then I think everybody's got a shot, obviously. Anybody on this list can get two ninths. Um, and the interesting thing, too, is, like, once you make a couple heats in an event, I feel like the playing field evens significantly like you pulled john in round two or round three and that's a really hard heat to win but after you've you know put a couple eights in your pocket you've beaten some big names then coming up against john it's like yeah it's still john but you have so much momentum behind you and you've got more of this like psychology of yeah fuck it i just need to go out there and surf and it becomes a lot simpler so a ninth easily turns into a fifth or a third you get one of those or especially two of those and you are sailing indeed so getting back to it you're asking me about rio wider um from the inside 
the level of commitment that he's had to his preparation and, and season, I'm going to give him the nod. I'm going to say yes. Okay. A company man. Maxime Husano, former Quicksilver team rider. Oh, well, if you want to say former Quicksilver team rider, we pretty much sponsored everyone that ever existed at some point in their career by the look of it. It's true. Um, my French friend, I'm going to have to say no. That's all right. I'll say yes, Maxime. You and I are riding together. We're on the. We need to figure out your your little moniker. It can't be the Maxime train, but we'll get there before the season starts, and we're going to win a lot of money together. Um, Ramsey Bukayam. Yes, I am a thousand percent yes on Ramsey. I feel like he's been he's obviously been waiting for this forever, but he also is just licking his chops right now. He's like, "Fuck all these guys." It took me a while to get past all these scrubs on the QS, but now that he's in with the big dogs, he is going to eat. Ian Gentile. Yes. Beware the quiet ones, says Stacy. I am going no. Not because I don't think his surfing's there. It's just it's a numbers game at the end of the day, and not everybody can make it through. It's a fair point. Liam O'Brien. I think I already know your answer. Yep. Uh, I think Liam is well-rounded enough to do the job for sure. Yeah. I To our earlier conversation, I, I do think he will struggle at some of these waves. But I also think he'll do just enough. So I'm going to give him yes as well because he is just – he's he's really, really talented. Obviously, we saw, you know, someone of a similar makeup in Ethan Ewing really struggle in his rookie year. But I think Liam's already proven himself on the CT to a certain extent. He's obviously made a final and had some good events outside of that. And he just seems really, like, confident in himself and kind of unbothered by everything going on around him. So I think that one way or another he'll figure it out, even if it takes getting a third at one of these events. Yeah, which he's obviously capable of doing. And there's a big age difference there. Like, Ethan came on at 17. Like, that's just a whole other ballpark. Mm. Okay. So you said yes to four out of five rookies. Can you back that up mathematically? Well, you had a similar number last year, right? Like, you pretty much picked everyone and got 50%. So, yeah, I don't know. You back your shit up, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Um, I think I could. I think I could back every single one up. I think we've probably crapped on a little much to really go into it. But, yeah, I think um, 50% did it last year. I've gone for 90. Oh, well, maybe not. I've gone for 90% of the men. I might say no to both the women. You never know. Okay, well, let's get into them. Um, we only have two female rookies this year, but that doesn't make them any less exciting. In fact, I would say the most exciting surfer coming on tour this year is a female. And, of course, that's Katie Simmers. We've talked about her enough in this podcast. I'm sure we don't need to you know, explain her prowess any further. But I will say that she took this year off from the CT despite qualifying last year because she wanted to work on personal projects. She obviously did this sort of travel series with us. She did, you know, Stab High. She obviously went back on the CS and did all that. And she went on a lot of trips that she went and filmed on. And she made a movie. She made her own film. She even edited most of it herself. It's basically, to me, sort of the female equivalent of first chapter. It's called Toasted, and we actually started premiering it this week. We had the first premiere in Oceanside, where she's from. There are more premieres going on on the East Coast and the West Coast in this coming week. You can find those details on Stab's Instagram. Um, And it's going to be going live on Stab Premium on January 23rd. So keep an eye out for that. It's sort of, you know, 
just Katie's ode to herself and her youth. And now she's moving on to the next part of her life and career. So that is, um, yeah, it's sort of her, her last hurrah of freedom before probably spending 20 years on tour and winning a bunch of world titles. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's, an, it's a great send off and it's a great film. So with that, Katie Simmers, she's now 17. She's qualified twice. How is she going to go? At all these waves, what are her strengths? What are her weaknesses? Her strengths are her style and her ability to not look like she's surfing a heat. Um, it's I haven't really seen that too often. She just seems to, you know, quite simply ride waves and ride them really well. And I know that sounds very stupid to say, but you can see a lot of people as soon as they chuck the, um, you know, the coloured rash vest on, it, you know, they seem to stiffen up or catch the wrong waves or wait forever and not stand up and i don't even need a jersey yeah yeah me too if it's crowded crowded day at snapper <laughs> i can't stand up um so yeah i think they're her strengths um do i think that any of those attributes really matter on the first five events of the world tour probably not like it's bloody hard like we saw that with the women last year only one made it through um and Look, I'm just going to go out and say it right now. I'd be surprised to see either of them do it this year. I think that um, it's just a really, really hard five events to start for the for the for the young. Oh, women. interesting. So you decide to say no to the people who are probably less likely to punch you in the face, or if they did, it would maybe hurt a little less. Oh, mate, are you kidding me? I've spent most of my career uh, working with some of the best female athletes in the world, and I will tell you right here, right now, they are far more spicy than the men not physically <laughs> however the blow-ups were good uh, let's just put it that way <laughs> all right so stays is saying no to both i'm saying yes to katie i do i don't disagree with some of the stuff you're saying like these waves and also you know just her age and and she's also still pretty small you know she's probably still got some growing to do I, I think that the cards are a little bit stacked against her but i also think that she's such an incredible surfer and also so generally beloved and i think you know we talk about it all the time like judges are humans too and everybody wants to see her succeed and even though they might not do it consciously if it comes down to some of those decisions and they have to say okay you know she surfed a wave pretty similar to so-and-so but she looked a lot better on it I, I think that style does come into the equation it's definitely not overt but it's there in the back of all of our minds we're all surfers we all love to see someone surf with grace and flow Judges are stab premium subscribers too, is what you were trying to say. Yes, exactly. So the other thing with Katie is I feel like the people that she gets sort of compared to the most are Dane and Steph, right? Steph, a lot because of the style, I would imagine, and Dane because she has this really just nonchalant approach to surfing and even competition, as you said. So when you think about, and I know it's hard to and it's and it's almost weird to put these sort of predictions on you know such a young person at such an early stage in their career but if you had to guess do you think she'd go more of the eight world titles route or the you know maybe finish fourth in the world and be this cult classic everybody's favorite surfer sort of person oh that's a gnarly question uh I... fuck too, too way too early to tell um it's it's one of those things, like, I would say Steph, even with her eight world titles, still has managed to keep a very strong sense of, like, personal brand, which is making films and writing different equipment outside of events and very balanced in her approach. Like, 
you know. So I think there is room there for both, and I, I think the World Tour allows you to do that. Like, there's ten events, or not even anymore. Like, like, like the, the season isn't as long as what it used to be. It sort of used to be like almost you know like a february sometimes to december year whereas you know i think being a pro surfer on the tour you know in the last couple of years has been really good you 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 surf until september and then you can go and do whatever you want i think that'll suit not only katie but it'll suit a lot of surfers that like to make these projects and and do other stuff outside the jersey so yeah i don't know I, i don't see how that couldn't be fun Please tell me a little bit about Sophie McCulloch, because truth be told, I do not know much about her. We obviously saw her do the almost impossible at Haleiwa, winning the event, and you know Teresa had to get a certain place as well. It was pretty wild that she, the way she qualified. Um, I know she's from the Sunshine Coast, but that's about it. So give me some details, Stace, as I look up your nose. Yeah, Sophie's from the Sunny Coast, 22 years old. Uh, she grew up surfing with Isabella Nichols a lot, and... What she did at Haleiwa was nothing short of remarkable. Um, had the one one result that needed to happen, and it wasn't like, oh, you know, if I get a 17th, this person needs to get a 33rd. It was like, you got to win the thing. And <laughs> Teresa Bonvolo needs to get not better than a third, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, the amount of confidence she'd be taken out of that would be, you know, the feeling would just be incredible. Um, and, yeah, then you go straight into the barrel of pipeline. Like that's pretty challenging so yeah I'm I'm interested to see how she fares and um, I know that it'll be a massive and steep learning curve um, for her because there's not really anything that resembles pipeline on the Sunshine Coast Uh, however you know everyone from Florida seems to do it pretty well so or the east coast of America (laughs) which doesn't get crazy waves either so yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see did you see the wave that uh, Justin Quintal got this week oh that was sick He's a longboarder from Florida, so anybody from Florida can do it, apparently. Yeah, well, Harry Roach is a longboarder from the sunny coast, and he can ride the pit like that, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to make these predictions because you give these people, and particularly the women, like these opportunities, and they, they, they're having a crack. Like, we saw that uh, in the last couple of seasons at Pipeline. Um, it's just such a hard wave to warm up at and get your lineups. And, you know, like a lot of the surfers... Even on the men's side, they're, they're riding proper pipeline waves for the first time in their heats because they can actually take off where they want, you know. So, yeah, it's it's such a hard one to such a hard one to predict. And I just think, you know, that the five events that you've got to come into, I've said it a thousand times. Like, you're not going like snapper bells. I feel like Trestles was even at the start of the year there at one point. Like, you know, I don't know. It was on the QS, but yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a daunting start of the year. Yeah. Okay. Well. As I said, I don't know a ton about Sophie. I've watched her surfing a bit. She She's fairly small in stature. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, she doesn't even have, like, like last year it was India Robinson, right, that came on and was sort of this surfer that I didn't know much about, at least. But she came on and she had size. She had impact. She had power. Like, she would do turns in bigger waves and it would be visually impactful. And I think that that almost actually got her across the cut line, despite not having maybe as much, you know, skill as a Betty Lucicura Johnson, who's a little bit on the smaller side, you know. And with Sophie, to me, she doesn't quite have that size. And she also, from what I've seen, at least doesn't have as much of that X factor as some of the girls that came in last year. So I do think that she might struggle in this first part of the tour. Um, 
I think it's amazing that she made the tour and the way she did it she proves that she has that competitive tenacity. So maybe that will be enough. Maybe she'll have a few of those heats where she needs a five or a six and she finds a way to get it. And that's how she works her way in. Um, but for me, I'm going to say that I, I don't see her making the cut this year. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, another interesting watch. Uh, and um, yeah, hopefully no surfers listen to the podcast. Okay, so now let's end on a positive note, Stacy. There is one award that regardless of anybody making the cut, some rookie will win, and that is the Rookie of the Year Award. So last year, the Rookies of the Year went to Sammy Poupeau, who actually tied with Callum Robson, but won on a countback, and then Gabrielle O'Brien on the women's side. So Stacy, who is going to win the award this year, 2023? I'll say Ramsey on the men, and Katie on the women's. Yeah, I as much as I want to say Maxime, I'm I'm going to go with my head on this one and say that Ramsey also is going to win. To me, he's the most well-rounded surfer, especially, you know, it, it really comes down to who makes the cut and just that's the first hurdle, right? And I think Ramsey's the best suited to that and then even the back half of the year. Like he's just such a strong surfer, so I'm going to go him as well. And Katie, I told you that she'd be the one to make the cut, so that's pretty obvious. So we got the same ones. Let's uh let's hope we're right, I guess. Yeah, well that's pretty boring, but I think yeah, both two really strong surfers. We are going to have a separate chat about the first event of the year pipe which begins on January 29th, so that'll be next week, but anything else on the rookies before we go? No, that's it for the time being. I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of your Hawaiian season goes and uh, keeping your boards in hopefully one piece yeah I'll do my best Um, so anyway until next week over and out